to That's Ancient History for our first in what I believe is going to be of many episodes on classics and the cinema because there are just too many films to talk about in one podcast and I'm joined today by one of my now regular guest hosts, I think I can call her, Jill Scott. Hello! (laughs) Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me. If you've been listening for a while you will probably have already encountered Jill on our episodes both on um, classics and science fiction and fantasy and... Visit in ancient sites. Exactly, those are the two which Jill's already featured in. Jill also has featured on my YouTube channel on quite a few occasions and has her own YouTube channel called The Book Nook which you can check out. Um, everything will be linked in the show notes. But we are here, like I said today, to discuss classics and the cinema. <laughs> it's going to be a long-running series, this one. Oh yeah, I mean, for as long, I feel, as um, the, the what are they called? The um, talkies have been going. <laughs> Since the moving picture came to us, uh, classics have been depicted on it, whether it be Roman history, Greek history, mythology etc etc it is all up there on the big screen and we're going to talk about a few of our favorites and perhaps a few of our least favorites today are you excited that's that's gonna be so much fun because i have to i have to publicly shame somebody (laughs) for what they subjected me to well do remember these are only our opinions and if you disagree then that's absolutely fine come debate us on twitter we would be happy to Um, but i thought the perfect way to start this episode would be to talk a little bit about perhaps one of our favorites so do you have a favourite film set in antiquity or based on a classical myth? I I think I would probably have to say Gladiator, mm. the Russell Crowe film. Which I've never seen. And I can't believe that. I know. <laughs> I'm actually really shocked. <laughs> because even before I realised I was interested in classics or ancient history, mm-hmm. the history in general really, I seen that film when I was quite young I think, mm-hmm. when it first came out. I can't remember when it was. And it just, it was just this epic grand scale. It had everything. Yeah. It's got romance, it's got drama, it's got fight scenes. The speeches were great. Oh, you're not entertained. <laughs> These classic lines. I don't know, I just, I loved it. And is it based on an actual piece of history, like about a real gladiator, or is it just inspired no, by? No, it's just inspired by the whole kind of Colosseum grand scale public drama mm-hmm. so it's based well, you haven't seen it so you'll need a rundown yeah of it. so yeah russell crowe plays maximus mm-hmm. who is a at the start he's a general in the roman army mm. and his troops love him you know living the high life he's got a wife and kid back home and then he's a favorite he yeah he's a favorite of the emperor which is marcus aurelius mm. and he's played by the same guy that did the original dumbledore Really? Yeah. Michael? No, he's the second one. Oh, that's Michael Gambon. Uh, I'm thinking of. Richard, Richard Harris. Richard, Richard, Richard Harris. Harris. So yeah. Richard Harris plays Marcus Aurelius, and he's the aging Marcus. Aure- yeah. Yeah, he's the aging Marcus Aurelius, and Russell Crowe's character is a favourite of him. He's like a second son. And Joaquin Phoenix plays Marcus Aurelius' son, Commodus, mm. who in this is evil. Yeah. <laughs> very evil. I mean, some of the stories I mean, is very yeah. Commodus, though. In, in ancient history, he's meant to be pretty pretty <laughs> bad, but he he's really evil in this yeah. as well. And he's jealous of the relationship that his mm. dad has with this general. When the dad dies, mm. through very suspicious circumstances, <gasps> I won't ex- I won't say anymore. <laughs> uh, Commodus basically takes revenge on Maximus, and horrible things happen to him, and he ends up being sold as a slave <gasps> to the to the gladiator school. The uh-huh. Gladiator school buys him, 
and at first he's kind of he's not even trying to show off his skills because yeah. he's just depressed as you would be yeah he's down on his luck <laughs> very much so but eventually he gets put into the games at the coliseum and eventually he starts fighting and the crowd turn against the em- what the emperor <gasps> wants basically and they fall in love with this gladiator and they're so excited every time he comes to the arena that's who they're paying to mm. see so commodus can't really do anything against him mm. he has to just keep putting them out there and yeah. hoping something's going to happen. And the story goes from there. Obviously, there's a love story okay. and lots of drama happens. And it has a very... It has a good ending, I would say, for the story. It's it can be it's quite sad, but it can have it's a good ending. I okay, and this came out in 2000, so... Something like that, yeah. Yes, it did. <laughs> yes, it did. Um, so it's sort of not that recent, but it's also no, I mean, not it, one of the classics. I was eight it's when it came of, out. Yeah, it's a sort of in-between, I feel like, because there's a real generation of sort of classic, classics films almost, yeah. um, which I would say most of my preferred antiquity-based films are from that kind of generation. So one of my favourites is definitely Jason and the Argonauts, which was one of those films that's particularly well-known because of its special effects, which were done by Harry Housen. Yep. Which at the time were incredibly... They were like the best. Right. They they were so beyond what had been done before. It's like before. when Andy Serkis had Gollum back yeah. then. That's... If you look back now, you're like, okay, that's not that amazing. But if you think about what special effects were like at the time, it's incredible. There's these moving skeletons at one, one point, which is not from original mythology. That is an inserted no. scene. But otherwise, a lot of it does happen in the original book, which is Jason and the Golden Fleece or Jason and the Argonauts. Um, it's called the Argonautica in ancient Greek. Um, by Apollonius of Rhodes and it follows the general events of that although it does certainly change quite a few things and it adds in moving skeletons Um, but it's based on this mythological story about the hero um, Jason and the princess Medea and that's one of my favourite books actually as well but I I love the film I think it just it really brings to life that kind of magic of Greek mythology for me on the screen um, it's a really good storytelling device. I really liked the original Clash of the Titans. Which yeah. was also the same special effects by Harry Housen. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was also Harry Housen. And, and I, I, even when you watch it now, it's now, although obviously the effects are, I mean, now they look very primitive. Yeah. But now it's a nostalgic thing. Yeah. Like the special effects sometimes nowadays I find almost too good. Yeah. Whereas with looking back now on that, I think, yeah, it's There's nostalgic. a magic to it, yeah. I think. Um, a surrealism, I think. Um... And Maggie Smith's in Clash of the Titans. I didn't know that yes, until we were talking about this because earlier. Because Maggie Smith is, um, it's obviously back in the earlier days of her career, but she plays, is it Thetis, I believe, who in mythology is the mother of Achilles, yeah. but in this is actually the mother of um, a sort of monster that is not from Greek mythology. Um, who I always want to call Caliban, but isn't called Caliban because that is the character from The Tempest by Shakespeare, but it's something along those lines. something like that. Um, I can check Clash of the Titans. Um, I've never, however, seen the remake from um, the 21st century because the Clash of the Titans came out in 1981. Um, So Maggie Smith's son is, in fact, called... Calibos. Calibos. Not Caliban. So it's Calibos, very similar. Um, and I believe Jason and the Argonauts came out quite a bit before that, though. Jason and the Argonauts came out in 1963, so it's actually almost 20, 20 years earlier. So it was particularly impressive for the time. Um, and, and, um, yeah, I, I really like both of those, but I've not seen the, the new version. I have seen the original, only once when it first came out. The original? <laughs> I have seen the remake, only once when it first came out. 
and I think it's Sam Worthington that yes, plays the lead. Yes, from Avatar. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and at the same time, it was interesting because at the same time, another film came out about Theseus, which mm. called The Immortals, and that had Henry Cavill, who's the Superman, who's the guy that plays uh. the new Superman. And they're, I mean, they were fine. They weren't great. Mm. There's a sequel as well, Wrath of the Titans. Yeah. I've not seen I don't think I've seen that. I find it interesting that both our choices are, I mean, I know mine's only 2000, but both of them are from the older... Yeah, none of them are particularly recent. They're not the more modern ones. And I think that's because there's a tendency nowadays with Hollywood to Mm. do these ancient historical films to do the whole sword, sex and sandals. Oh, it's... That's very much a thing. Yeah, I find them very, very focused on the battles, which is obviously some people's cup of tea, but for me it feels It's like half-dressed men and women. It's quite... There's always... Yeah, it, it just is that. It's swords, sex, sandals. That is a category of film, indeed. It is a new category, and they tend to make them that, whereas, to be fair, to Gladiator, I mean, obviously there is elements of all of that, but it's not the focus, I don't yeah. feel, with the Gladiator. No. And I obviously mean, not back in the day. But um, it's interesting talking about modern ones, because I remember when we were in university, I think it was our fourth year, where literally in the space of a few months, two different Hercules films came out. Yeah, the ones with The Rock. Yeah, and yeah. it's not died down in popularity by any means. And Although, then Pompeii came out as well. Yeah, Jill and I were saying before we recorded this, however, we're going to do a separate podcast entirely on adaptations of the Hercules myth. Because there's so many. There are so many from television to um, film. People love Hercules. Oh, they really do. And that's an interesting concept in itself. So we're going to save that for its own episode, for a definite. Um, but on that note, we're getting a little bit on the negative side. So are there any you don't like, Jill? Okay, I'm going to lay it out here. I'm going to think, I think, before we go where you want to go though, we should start with one that is more on the the fighting side, because it oh. plays in with what we were just talking is about. Is it this one? This is Sparta! <laughs> in your best Scottish accent. I have a Scottish accent. Well, yeah, I know, but I just went like... My best Jerry Butler. Yeah, your appropriate accent for this film. Yes. yes, so if you're not familiar with that line, it comes from the film... Um, 300, which is actually based on a graphic novel. Um, so it's, it is trying to follow the line of the graphic novel, which, um... Which is based on... Which, so the graphic novel itself is inspired by the events of, um, the, the Persian War and, um, about the Spartan soldiers that die. But it means that the film, which I don't think either of us are massive fans of, is very stylized to fit in with the style of the graphic novel. So I will give it that, that obviously it's drawing on that. So that that changes everything. I still didn't really like it. For me, it's very much just like the same kind of battle scene repeated over and over again. Yeah. It is racist, <laughs> I think is safe to say. Kind of sexist. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it it paints a very strange picture of the Persians. It's very, it's very odd. Very odd. Uh, I mean, uh, like, and then it blends the myth, the mythical with what yeah. they're trying to portray almost as historical. Yeah. So I'm not entirely against that, but it, it but does. But it's not. It's not even enjoyable mythical. It's like silly, strange mythical. I didn't get it. I like that char- That huge giant character with like the saw hands. Yes. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, and all of that kind of stuff though comes on the side of the Persians, and there's then at one point there's these um, small creatures that are painted as sort of Persian soldiers and are depicted as ninjas. It's very very odd. Then King Xerxes is this giant yeah, godlike giant. creature, and in a sense, I mean, in ancient history, I mean, they, 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 there is a sense that perhaps the Persians saw their kings as yeah, you gods. You could argue they're just extending that kind of 
but view that the Persians had of their kids. There's certainly like much more of a humanization of the Spartans as opposed to the Persians, which for me feels racist. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. No, it, it is. It, it feels racist. Um, I think it's definitely Saeed would say a bit of orientalization going on there. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but I know loads of people that love Three Hundred. So it's a Marmite. I know a lot of people that love Three Hundred. I will enjoy a film that is based maybe. But I thought it was in boring. history. <laughs> that not only was it racist, just, it was purely, boring. Like, even if it's not historically accurate, and yeah. it's not. You know, it's it's basically just battles and whatnot. I can enjoy that type of film, like a, a good action, historical action mm. film. I didn't enjoy Three Hundred. No, I don't get it. But I, I, I will, obviously, we're only sharing our opinions here. But I know lots of people that like Three Hundred. It was recommended to me by um, friends of mine who it's also become study classics. Iconic as well because of the line. That's true. Things like that. It becomes a kind of joke. But then it becomes a joke. People parody it. That's true. But <sighs> yeah. It's not my cup of tea, it's, that's it's, for sure. That one feels like it's its own little category, It's almost. a very, yes. It's, you'll like it or you'll, I think you'll love it or you'll hate it. It's a pure Marmite film and it depends what, for what you look like, look for in your films. And if you really are just, just looking for sort of stylization in the way things are filmed, great example of that. <laughs> um, that's really what you want. But other than that, I don't love it myself. Um, but I know there's a film you hate even more. Oh, I'm dying to talk about this. <laughs> to share my experience. Okay. Our joint experience. We joint share, experience. We, but I feel we like watch this together. It comes best from your mouth. So you, you tell us the well, story about what happened. How you came round and everything. Yeah, come, come, start from the beginning. So Jean was coming round to mine for a movie night. Mm-hmm. And she said she brought this, she was going to bring this film that was called The Satyricon. Based on a Roman novel by Petronius mm-hmm. called The Satyricon. A fragmentary Roman novel, though. Yeah, we don't don't have have it in complete form. And we both studied it at university. And I mean, we studied it quite a bit, to be honest. We went into it in quite depth when we studied it. The book's fascinating to me. Yeah, it is. It's a sort of satirical... I I mean, you won't say satirical because it's called satiricon, but those two things aren't necessarily directly in line with one another. But it's a sort of parody of the Roman Empire and the gluttony of the Roman Empire. It kind of makes fun, makes jabs. Yeah. It's a really interesting read. So Jean had been told by... Stan. Stan Christoforou. I didn't know his surname, but I only know him as Stan, Jean's friend. Stan has been on the podcast. He has. And he did a wonderful podcast all about um, combat PTSD trauma. and combat trauma. It was really interesting. I loved it. And I've met Stan and he's really lovely. We also have Stan coming back for this season to talk more about a new topic. Nice. But I really enjoyed his last one. So. Yeah. And I've met Stan and he's lovely, but and I forgot to say it to him when I met him because <laughs> I am going to bring it up to him. He recommended to Jean to watch this film adaptation of the Satyricon, which is by Fellini. He's an Italian director, Fellini. I've, I've watched a film about Fellini. Mm. But anyway, that's not important. So Jean was talking about this. She said Stan had raved about it, recommended it. So we thought, oh, we'll have a little night and we'll watch that. And it'll be nice to share that together. So she came round and we had food and we had drink and we cozied down on the couch mm-hmm. and we put the film on. Um, now, this film came out in 1969. Worth noting. It is... A strange film. <laughs> That's all I can say. It is from the moment it started, it was sensory overload. Yes. Your ears, your eyes, almost your nose. Your I've soul been... <laughs> is just it's just attacked. Oh wow, yeah. I mean it was it's it's hard to even describe. It, it really is. It was an Italian. Watch the trailer. Watch the trailer on YouTube. That's what I would suggest. It was an Italian, so that's already assault on your senses because you're having to listen to the Italian and read English but, subtitles. I mean, there's loads of foreign yeah, films which I is love. Fine, but that's already like it's not you're what you're usually doing. Thing. Yeah, so your focus has changed. Then there was what was described in brackets in the subtitles as 
unrecognisable Latin. No, vulgar Latin. Vulgar Latin. So occasionally the characters would say things in Latin as opposed to Italian, and the translation at the bottom would simply say vulgar Latin. And then all you can hear is... Because neither of us are Latin experts by any means. So that's all it was to us. So it's flipping between Italian and what we're known as vulgar Latin. (laughs) There was the constant sound of chiming bells. Bells. Like ting. Like the little handheld ones. Yes. Yeah. It's like they. Um, it's this cling, 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 That's a really cling, good cling, cling. actual impression of the bells. Constant. In this weird tune that just kept going. <laughs> there was other music in the background, oh, yeah. depending on the scene. It's very sexually explicit as well. Very sexually explicit. Lots of nudity, a lot of sex scenes. Um, There's which, a lot of like red lighting as oh, well yeah. in the whorehouse season six. Which scenes. is very accurate. I, I get where that's coming from. It's very much drawing on the book. The book is very sexually explicit, but obviously there's a massive difference between reading something that is parodying the Roman Empire and the, the like the extravagance of the Roman Empire and reading about these slightly like like absurd sex scenes yeah. to them being depicted in a film. And it was quite like intense to watch and but it was meant to be. I think like Yeah, it, it was meant to be. It was very much I was not trying to push out of your box but the fact like push that your boundaries and yeah. what makes you comfortable I, there was a real attempt to make you uncomfortable as a yeah, viewer the, oh very much so yeah and it, it was the constant <laughs> stream of it like it, oh, was, wow. it never yeah. stopped and then and then these... people were the camera would pan along like a scene mm-hmm. and suddenly someone would be staring directly down the camera lens so it's like you're eye to eye with them eye to eye with them and it would be gurning at you which is like a, it's like a term for making like a horrible face yeah so these people are deliberately looking down the camera lens and making these horrible faces at you yeah meanwhile you're getting the bells and the music and the funny lighting and the vulgar latin and the italian and yeah. it's always just too much and me and jean watched must have watched about 30 minutes maybe oh i think we watched longer than that but we didn't we watch made it, it all. past the dinner at Tramalchio's, which is the only complete but chapter only, from the original book which yeah. is quite a bit into the film we only made it that far because we were kind of half lying down on the couch and I physically couldn't bring myself to sit up to grab the remote <laughs> to turn it off. And we kept saying to each other, this is too much, this is awful, this is too much. No, it needs to stop. It needs to stop it, Jill. Stop it, Jean. We're trying to. But I could, we couldn't get up and make ourselves turn it off. We're not going to come across as very highbrow in this podcast, I don't think, because no. I think it's a favourite of, you know, like your film snobs in that. <gasps> it's crazy. <laughs> Eventually we did turn it off. We did. We then sat for about 10 minutes, just quite quiet. <laughs> Enjoying the quiet. Withdrawn. <laughs> yep. Calming down. And then we had to watch like silly YouTube videos to kind of... Cleanse. I did honestly feel... I've never had that sensation before. It was like sensory overload. Yeah. I felt assaulted in all my senses. Yeah. It was very Just strange. watch the trailer on YouTube and it'll give you a taster for what we experienced for like a good hour. It was the oddest movie experience I think I ever. So Stan, I have a lot to say to you about this. <laughs> about inflicting this into me. Onto me. <laughs> Be warned, Stan. <laughs> but... As you've already heard, Stan liked it, so... People must like it. People do like it. And it's very interesting to me, though, what what I found particularly is obviously there's a sensory overload. Um, it's a very intense viewing experience, but I also don't think it really shows the plot of the book as much no. as it could. So the book is very much, from what survives, is the story of um, two men and this slave boy that they're both fighting over because they both are in love with him. And that's all storyline, is them basically like fighting over Giton. Um, and some of that comes through in the film, but it doesn't feel like he's trying to follow a plot. It feels farcical. It's very experimental, and again, a total marmite, I think, when it comes to films, and we just obviously share similar tastes, and it was not for either of us. I think as well, as I wasn't prepared for it to be like that. (laughs) Surprise! Yeah, it was a complete (laughs) surprise. It threw me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... 
There's your advance warning for whenever you watch the Satyricon by Fellini. Yeah, be prepared. <laughs> be very prepared. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, but there must be more ancient films that you enjoy. Tell me about another ancient film that you enjoyed. Okay, I'm going to be honest here. Troy. This is an interesting topic because I have seen Troy and I have such mixed feelings about this film. I mean, when I've seen it, again, I've seen it probably when it first kind of came out. Yeah. Because I was a big fan of Orlando Bloom. I only saw it for the first time in 2017. Oh my God. I know. Already done two classic degrees. It took me that long. So you'd already seen it when the lecturer slated it. No. In our classes. No, I, you ha- that's what I mean. You, had, you hadn't you had seen it. So you saw no. it after. Yeah. So everyone had already slated it. it yeah. At uni, it got slated. And I mean, rightly so from a historical perspective. Yes. Well, historical. Mm. It, it very much veers away from the original story it's based on, which is Homer's Iliad. Yeah, exactly. And it, it is kind of the swords and sandals kind of epic yeah. with these handsome men playing the characters yeah. and whatnot. But when I, wa- when I watched it, and when I've watched it, I've not watched it in a long time, but whenever I have watched it, I've watched it multiple times, I, I, I enjoy it. So I have to say the same As thing. As a movie, I do enjoy it. I think it is quite a fun film to watch, but it is one of those ancient films where if that's all you've seen and you think that is the story of the it's Iliad... It's not going to inform you. Obviously it's a myth, so it's not history anyway, but it, it, if, if that's all you see, then and you don't Google and look on Wikipedia about the real story of Homer's Iliad, you're going to get some real, like, misinformation. Yeah, exactly. But as a film, I think it's quite enjoyable. And for what I will say for it, is when I watched it in 2017, obviously I've already studied classics for a long time, had read Homer's Iliad, had studied Homer's Iliad, not the biggest fan of Homer's Iliad, to be honest, far prefer the Odyssey. But the plot veers so strikingly from Homer's Iliad that it kept me on my toes so it didn't matter that I knew the myth because it was like a new story oh, that's good. and I quite enjoyed that I did enjoy <laughs> it I did it's it's a funny one now because I have my enjoyment my own personal enjoyment of mm. it and then I went to uni and I got the whole spiel about what's wrong with it basically yeah. why it shouldn't have been made <laughs> But so it's it's a funny one. At the end of the day, I always think with things like these, it doesn't matter if they, they veer off, it doesn't matter if they miss things out, if they're a bit inaccurate. If they get people enthused about antiquity, then great, I'm glad they make them. Well, that's part of the whole... There's like a debate, I think, out there. Yeah. With movies that uh-huh. are depicting history or, you know, the yeah. ancient world. And even with novels as well, there's this whole, yeah. should we stick and be completely historically accurate to yeah. inform people and to make sure people are learning right. Yeah. Or can they go off spiel? So, back when I was about 20, I fell far more on the let's be historically accurate because all the original tales are so interesting, so why change them in my head? I felt very strongly towards that. But I think as I've got older and as I've studied classics more and actually got more and more into the world of classics and I did my PhD, I feel less like that. Um... I feel like any adaptation of antiquity, as long as it doesn't turn in, like, something, I don't know, but, like, most adaptations of antiquity, any sort of popular culture, it doesn't just say something about antiquity, it also says something about the modern day, and it's it's a merging of history, it's a merging of ideas, and I think it's fascinating, and I actually think it's wonderful, and I've become much less, more relaxed about that. I've never been the case where it has to be completely historically accurate. Troy is bad for that. (laughs) Don't, yeah, with Briseis. Well, no, I was thinking of the fact that Helen and Paris stay together and survive and run away together. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler. Um, no, no, actually, my favourite bit about Troy, just to sorry bring this up, that will massively 
misinform you and it happens midway through the film so I'm going to tell you so it's slightly a spoiler for the film but you need to know now that there is a point in the film (laughs) where Hector kills Menelaus who is Helen's husband and I'm sitting there watching that thinking I'm loving watching it and for a good like minute or something I just took that for what it was and then suddenly I remembered Menelaus doesn't die in the myth. Menelaus survives. Wait a second, what's happened? This myth has completely changed. <laughs> you're and doing it, you're like, <gasps> he's dead. Yeah, and that Wait mass- a minute. massively changes the story when you do something well, like yeah. that. See, I think, I mean, to be honest, right now I'm kind of thinking more like accurate, accurate history. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking the Braveheart scenario. Okay, so you think less Scots. mythology yeah, than history? The more actual historical fact. You think in a Mary Queen of Scots? I am thinking of the new Mary Queen of Scots I film. I thought you were. Which I'm really excited to see. But they have the hold that Mary and Elizabeth met up, mm-hmm. which never ever happened. And lots of people are now And lots think. of people who maybe don't know and are buzzing for the film really excited, they'll go and see it and think, oh, and they'll, that'll be now in their psyche as that mm-hmm. happened. And it didn't. So I think a big thing like that, which, I mean, who knows, history could have changed if they had met. Yeah, I'm going off topic here now. <laughs> but you yeah, know what I mean? That, that is very... No, but it's true. I watched that television show, um, Rain, which is about yes. Mary Queen of Scots. And for a good long while, I thought that Mary Queen of Scots almost married a Portuguese prince that it turns out doesn't exist. But I thought it did, because I watched that TV show. But I still quite like that TV show. I don't yeah. mind that they changed it. <laughs> That's the thing. Is, but I think it's about, if you're personally enjoying something, you're going, to, yeah. you're going to make allowances. But I do think there are some things which should be kept. The actual historical fact should most likely not be changed. Okay. <laughs> But you play with it. Yeah. Yeah, do play with it and bend the rules a bit. And especially with myth, bring that into it and just basically play around. And whatever gets someone interested is a good thing. In classics, in history, in anything like that, Mm -hmm. it's good. If it's going to grab someone's attention and make them then look into it. Yeah. And then they'll discover what's right and wrong. And they'll think, oh, wait a minute. But I watched that film and that said this and that's not actually true. That's interesting. And who knows what that will then spur in that person. I think some of the ones that we haven't mentioned that are favourites are Disney's Hercules, but we're saving that for... For the Hercules episode. For the Hercules Big Hercules episode. We should maybe get Stan on for that because he has some opinions on Hercules, let me tell you. We have constant debates about this. <laughs> but we do realise that there are far, far more than what we have mentioned here. Um, another one that Joe was talking to me about that I've not seen but I'm interested in seeing is Agora. Yeah, with Rachel Weisz. And this tells the story of Hypatia, mm. who was one of the only female... Scholars. Scholars that we know of from um, Alexandria, Hellenistic And that's thing, like, we don't know if there was others, but no. we definitely know yeah. she existed. She was a scholar. And she was a woman. Yeah, so if you're looking for something slightly different that's um, in the terms of ancient films, that's one I'm definitely interested in seeing. And a couple that I was mentioning to Jill that she hasn't seen um, in are more modern adaptations. So I really recently saw Chirac. And Chirac is the sort of slang name for Chicago, um, based on the fact that during the Iraq war, more people died from gun violence in Chicago than soldiers, I believe, died in the whole of the Iraq war over the same time period, something along those lines. Um, So it was looking at gun violence and gangs in Chicago and it retold the ancient Greek comedic play Lysistrata by Aristophanes, but set in a modern context of Chicago. Oh, wow. And it was fascinating. And one of the things I found really interesting about that is, in a way, it was really interesting because the main premise of Lysistrata is that the women 
withhold sex from their husbands in order to end the war, saying we won't sleep with you until the war ends. Um, but in a sense, I felt like applying that to a modern context, it seemed a little bit like regressive because obviously women have a lot more to offer than their sex and their body. But at the same time, there was some really interesting political commentary in the film and I found it really interesting. And I don't see as much of that, as much like retelling of Greek myths and Roman myths and Roman stories and Greek stories in a modern context. And maybe that's because, like I said, they don't work as well. In a, in a modern setting. Like I say, I feel like it maybe works better in an ancient Greek play than it does in a modern setting, but I still find it very, very interesting. Um, and I think it shows how um, these stories can be used to um, relate to modern events and the sort of like timelessness of them in a certain in a certain way. And I, I find that really interesting. And um, I also really enjoy Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? by the Coen Brothers, which has... Which I haven't seen. It's fun. And I very much know of it as being yeah. out there and popular. And so never... it's a comedy um, and it's based in America in the South in the 1900s. So it's actually not set in modern day. It's got George Clooney in it and they're escaping from prison and it's retelling the story of the Odyssey, but they're running away from prison as opposed to um, fleeing the Trojan War after the Trojan War ended. And that's a really good film. Like it's just... In a sense, because these films are set in modern day and are inspired by these myths, it doesn't matter if you know these myths because you can completely just enjoy them. It doesn't matter if they're inaccurate because like, they're just taking themes from the original myths. And they're both films I did enjoy watching and I'm less of a stickler for them adhering to certain facts because they're because certain they're modern, modern You can, you can play yeah. around more. Yeah, exactly. I, I would recommend both of them if I'm talking about recommendations. It is interesting there's less set in a modern setting, but I think there's less out there that are set in modern times. Yeah, I can't think of as many. But I think it's because people have always been interested in performing the past. Mm. They even back in when they did Greek plays. Yeah. A lot of them are based on myths of the gods. Yeah. Which to them was the past. Yeah. And then Shakespeare, he wrote plays about the previous English kings and queens. He's writing and performing and about the past. Rome. And ancient Rome, exactly. So he's performing the past. And we are doing the same thing. Yeah. Early movies. The massive Cleopatra. Ben Hur. That goes on for like five hours. <laughs> it's, it's, everyone's so interested in, in putting the past yeah. to people, to the masses. Yeah. It yeah. always has been. That's true. Well, like we said, we could only cover so much in I one know. episode. So I think we'll uh, end it there. Yes. Yeah. I know you usually end on a book to recommend, but maybe we should recommend a film. Well, oh, like the way you think. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jill, I do. Recommend me. Film. Well, I'm going to recommend to you to watch Gladiator, please. That's an order. I <laughs> think you need to watch that. <laughs> okay. But I think you should watch Agora. Okay. Because I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. And it's, it's slightly different than all the others, I would say. It sounds it's different. It's got a very different take. It does sound different. So this can be a regular feature. Because new films are going to keep all coming out. All the time. So hopefully you enjoyed this one and Jill and I's opinions. This is very much... It's personal opinions. It's personal. This you is... can't speak for all. We're all biased. We can't, yeah. It's like little mini movie reviews. Exactly. So this is what we loved and what we hated. And I would love to know if you disagree or agree or what your favourite classics films are. So please do tweet me at That's Ancient. And Jill and I will keep an eye out so that we can engage with you and start up some debates. And if we haven't mentioned any, then let Jean know. Yeah. there might be loads out there that we don't even know about. Yeah, there's certainly more I've seen that we haven't talked about in this episode, but we will talk about in the next one, but there are probably loads I haven't seen as well, so let me know and um, we can we can make an effort to watch them and talk about them in future yeah. episodes. Perhaps even, if you'd be interested, we could do many episodes on one individual film. 
Debbie so we will we'll, we'll do some thinking with our mac and cheese yep we'll discuss <laughs> um, otherwise I hope you have enjoyed this episode of That's Ancient History I will be back again in a fortnight and until then enjoy watching all of your classical films thanks again for joining me Jo and thank you for having me I enjoy it every time I'm here great I love having you <laughs> come back soon oh will do <laughs> <laughs>